Welcome to Walking with God, Pat Barry and Jeff Quinto's podcast, where Pat and Jeff talk about their walk with Christ. My name is Pat Barry. And my name is Jeff Quinto. And about every two weeks, Pat and I get together and we talk about our walk with Christ. Pat, this week, what are we talking about? Got a question. Okay. What must we do to achieve salvation? Ooh, that's a hard one, isn't it? It is. And it comes up from time to time. Now, we've Mm. talked a lot on past podcasts about just the pathway to eternal life, that sort of thing, where Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, the life, that you only get to the Father through Him. Yes. You know, as far as, well, how does that work? Who is it for? How do we do this? And where does it come from in Scripture? I thought we could just kind of talk about that this, this week. Oh, Pat, so many questions. I know. These are good questions, though. Let's look at Scripture, and let's start off by looking at Acts 16, Acts 16, 25 to 31. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners, now they were in prison, so the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself, we are here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Hmm. Interesting, isn't it? Pretty simple. It is. Pretty simple. It's very simple. It's interesting because the jailer, I've heard this and and read about this, if prisoners escaped, especially Paul and Silas, because they were very important, they were put into the very center, Mm. if they escaped, that jailer, he knows his fate, and it's not a good one. He would have been killed. So he he says, I'm not going to wait for the government to do it. So he already thinks, I'm a a dead man. And then somebody comes in and says, hey, don't hurt yourself. Well, he's very appreciative here, just like we would be appreciative, right? Yeah. So these these people are different. They they took an opportunity to get out, and they didn't. Yeah, that would be different. And, And look at him. He's now at the lowest point he can possibly be in his whole life. He's convinced that the authorities are going to kill him, and and he might as well kill himself. And then he asks, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And all you have to do is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hmm. It's so easy, isn't it? Yeah. Easy, then why doesn't everybody do it? Well, it's easy, but it's it's difficult. Hmm. That sounds, I, I, I know, it, it's, this is one of those things. So it's a free gift. Christ came, he taught on earth. He died for our sins on the cross. It is a free gift. It's like, here you go. Do you want it? All you have to do is accept it. You accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, but in order to do that, you have to repent. You have Mm. to turn away from from the sins uh, of the past. You become a new person, and you let Christ lead your way. And those things, when it comes to human nature— I think you and I have talked about this before. It's it's a daily battle, and that, that's that's the it is a daily battle where you, you get in and you put Christ in the kingship instead of yourself. And sometimes it's it's a battle daily, hourly, minute by minute, at at times. Because I don't know about you, but there's times I want to go in my own direction. Oh yeah, I spend my whole life going in my own direction, only brought back to the Lord 
fortuitously from my lowest point. It's why I understand the jailer's lowest point. I've been to a low point and know that there's only one way to go and towards salvation. You're not going anywhere in the world. The world is not, has, has lied to you. It's been a false prophet. Yes. I think uh, everyone has to get there. I'm very similarly, I think most people that really truly have this experience they get to a point, and I don't know how to tell people to get there, but you have to empty out of yourself. You have to come to a point. Everybody is, is different, but you get to the point where you just kind of look around and say, what the heck? What, <laughs> what, you know, what's right. going on here? I don't, why am I here? What, th- things aren't going the way I thought they were going to go. To your point, the, the, the world and everything that it offers, and there's a lot of great things that it offers, but it doesn't do it for you. There's just there's something that's always empty. It's kind of like Tom Brady after winning his fifth Super Bowl. Is that all there is? Yeah. You know, there's something that you know there's more. You know there's more. Well, what else is out there? Well, maybe I'll I'll do I'll do good works. You know, I'll work with uh, I'll work with the homeless, or I'll I'll donate a lot of money to charities. Not that those are bad things, but it's not going to get you where you need to go. Yeah, those are. Those are good things, but they're not ultimate things. Right. And there's a, there's a, a vast difference in that. We can't, we can't make our own salvation. We, we try to because we want to be our own God, right? I want to be my own God. I'm my own man. I want to be my own man. Right. And the fact is that we cannot provide our own salvation. Now, Acts 2.21 tells us anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Hmm. We call on the name of the Lord and we're saved. We're called on the name of the Lord and we're saved, but we're meant to be different afterwards, aren't we? We are. That, that is calling on the name of the Lord, and by faith we are justified, but over a lifetime we're sanctified. We become sanctified in the Lord. We work toward the Lord, and that's, that is what we're meant to do. Yes. So the salvation part, I think, is it's not simple, but it is available, easily available to us. You know, this idea of repentance, you mentioned repentance. So in seminary, I had this extraordinary professor. Actually, I was lucky to have a whole series of extraordinary professors, but one of them is a guy by the name of Gary Hansen. And Gary Hansen used to draw these stick figures on the board, and he would have a stick figure looking away from God and then a stick figure looking up toward God. And that was meant to show the repentance because the word repentance really means turning. It means turning from the world and turning toward God. And he had these hokey-looking stick figures that stick with me <laughs> that I still remember. They were, they were so silly, and it made the point. Sure. We need to be facing toward the Lord, facing up and toward the Lord, not facing toward the world. Expecting the world to save us, it won't. Instead, being pointed toward God, God is our Savior. God will save us. And that's the thing we need to do every day. And that's the tough part. Coming to God, it's not always, that it's not always easy to actually have the humility to say you need to be saved, right? Because we're, like you said, we're our own, we're our own people. We're our own men. We're going to pick ourselves up by our bootstacks. We can, we can do it on our own. The oh, truth is, you know it truth is we can't so we need Mm. to come we need to come to to christ humbly and say lord i need you i need you as my savior from that point on as you said it's a sanctification and it's something it's it's something every day you're you're learning and i think this is where some christians you can get frustrated because it can be frustrating because you say okay you know i did this and i you know i i've got jesus as my savior right now but why am i still doing a lot of the things that i did before yeah yeah, that's common though, isn't it? It is common. We have the same habits. We didn't get rid of our habits. We have this new right. focus, perhaps. Our habits need to be changed as well. 
You know, there's a there's a scripture, Second Peter three nine, that speaks to the will of the Lord. So as we look at this, what is the Lord will for us? And the answer in Second Peter three nine is the Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Once again, not wishing that any should perish, but all should reach repentance. That's what God wants for us. He wants us to turn, just like the stick figures I was talking about, turn away from the world and turn toward God. Be focused on God in everything we do. Our lives will then be different. And you know what? We'll be an example to other people. We're first an example in our own household, and then we're an example in our, in our workplace, in our community. That's what we need to do. We need to be this example. Yes. Now, there's an amazing ministry that... Uh, um, that seeks to evangelize Muslims, and it seeks to evangelize Muslims in Islamic countries. It started out in the Middle East, and it's now gone to other places. And I can't tell you exactly where because I would be uh, betraying a confidence if I did. But listen to how it works, and here's how it works. So what they do, this minority, this tiny minority of Christians in these Muslim countries, what are they going to do? Are they going to stand on the street corner and preach the, the good news? No, they'd actually be arrested if mm-hmm. they were probably beat up first and then arrested. So that is not going to work. How about they, they open up a big church? They open up a big cathedral somewhere. No, that's against the law too. So what do they do? So they, they said that what they do is that they look at the people who are going to be evangelists of the Christian faith in these Muslim countries, and they say, how many Christians do you know? And the answer is they know five or six or some small number. And they say, well, how many Muslims do you know? And they say, well, we know hundreds, actually. All of our friends are Muslims because we live in the, we're immersed in this Muslim country. So what do they do? They just be friendly. They just be kind to other people. And the other people they're kind to, of course, almost uniformly Muslims. They're just kind to them. They do, they do kindnesses for them. They're, they're nice to them. They don't, they don't propose anything. They don't try to proselytize. Then what happens is people will say, well, what is this hope that you have? Tell us about the hope that you have. So it's actually starts with the Muslim person asking about Christianity. It isn't them offering an explanation of Christianity unsolicited. It isn't the way it works. The Muslim asks them. Now, interestingly, there are lots of Muslim women who ask these questions. Not as much men, but women. Because the Muslim faith, and I don't pretend to understand it very well, but the Muslim faith favors men over women, or seems to favor men over women. Okay. And so a woman is in a subservient role. And women would ask, well, where's my salvation? Where do I, where, how am I saved? And of course, sure. in the Christian faith, God created heaven and earth and all the people in it and all the plants and all the, the animals. God created everything. So God loves everything, men and women alike. And so it's a, it's a different sort of a thing, but they wait to be asked. I thought that was an interesting thing. They, they do kindnesses, unsolicited kindnesses, and they wait to be asked, and then they're ready. Just like the Scripture tells us, they're ready to make a defense for the hope that they have. So we have that. So it's a a different kind of a thing. As we talk about salvation, we are given it as a gift, but we have to accept the gift. Yes. And we don't know the gift to accept unless somebody proclaims the good news. Correct. Unless somebody spreads the gospel in some way or other. In this case, I'm talking about spreading the gospel by good works. Good works in a community that's not used to such things, um, particularly from Christians, and waiting to be asked. It gives you it gives you a great way as an entry to be able to tell people. Because you first do it by by the acts and then once they ask, then you can then you can proclaim. I heard a great story about a uh, Christian 
who was rounded up during the Holocaust and he was thrown into a prison cell. There was, he was a, a Christian. He was actually a Jewish born, uh, Messianic Jew in the thirties in, in Germany. And he was thrown in with a bunch of other people and they put him in with some, some intellectuals and atheists who were actually giving him a harder time mm-hmm. about being a Christian than some of the other Jewish believers. And so he would, you know, he would tend to the, the sick and wounded in while he was, he was in jail. And the story goes, the, one of the intellectuals said, if you can show me something, if you can tell me something to believe, then I'll believe. What can you tell me to make me believe? And in the middle of this just horrible situation, he stood up and he smiled. And he said that that broke them down because how can you have joy in the midst of this? And the, 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 the only way you can is through Jesus Christ, through God. That is a God thing. That is the only way you could. And that, that's, so that is, that's the testimony, right? So be that person that's, that's joyful in the midst of just a bunch of garbage. Yeah. Yeah, I pray that I will be that person and when the time comes. You and I have an easy time, though, don't oh, we? Oh, you know, I, I think about that a lot, actually, especially now with everything that goes around in the world. We are still in the United States, and there are, there are things that I see where it's getting a little more difficult on Christianity, but compared to other places of the world— we don't, we're not taking our lives into our hands by going to church on Sunday. And there are, there are places where it's a death sentence. If you get caught with a Bible, I think in North Korea, if they catch you with a Bible, it's a death sentence. And, and, you know, places even in like India, it's difficult to be a Christian. Certainly the Middle East, China, you look around the world just to proclaim this message, you're taking your life into your hands, not so much in the United States. So I'm very, I am very thankful for that. On the flip side, you know, everyone should be thankful for that. Everyone should understand, hey, this message is to, is available here like it is nowhere else. Yeah. It's, it's just the truth. And we should take advantage of that, shouldn't we? Absolutely. We should be sharing the good news with everybody we see by, by our actions, as is as, as, uh, quoted so often, uh, uh, preach the gospel in all ways, sometimes use words. We're, we're meant to do that. We're meant to do that. Now, I have a, a friend who lives in rural India. And I don't know that I've talked about him before, but in any event, we visited him on our trip to India teaching the Bethel series. And we went to his house and he told us the story of when he was arrested. And he was arrested for preaching the gospel, which was against the law. And so they put him in jail. They put him in jail with five other guys. And he was there for a a couple of weeks and he had converted three of the five guys to Christianity. (laughs) And so, so they, uh, um, they put him in a different cell because this is not going the way it's supposed to go. And so they put him in a different cell with some number of people, and he converted some great number of them to Christianity. And they took him to a, yet a third place, and I think finally they let him out because it wasn't working. This idea of stopping him <laughs> did not work. It was creating more Christians, not fewer. And so it inspires me because that's who we're meant to be because yeah. we have such an easy time of it. This guy gets thrown in jail for doing what you and I can do anytime we want, for saying anything that we want to say. We can say it openly, and we can talk to people about Christianity, but, but we don't do it. And these people that I know in India and, 
and Africa, and particularly in China, they're doing it underground. They're doing it in secret, and it works. God yeah. is making converts of these people. Their lives are changing in a, in a healthy and good way that it would not be otherwise. And yet, here we are in the, the most prosperous country in the world, and what are we doing? We're AWOL. Yeah, I hate, to, I, I hate to admit it, but yes, we are. Yes, we are. And, you know, I know sometimes it's, it can be difficult to, to share your faith with people because, it, look, in today's society, uh, it's maybe, you know, like tolerated, but it isn't really encouraged because, oh, you know, smart people don't really believe that stuff because, you know, science has all the answers and, and things like that. But I'll tell you what, when, if you talk to, to a Christian, chances are, they're going to have a story that you can't really explain by any other means. And some, some are huge stories, some are small stories. But if, you, if, you, if you're saying to yourself, you know, I'd, I'd like to talk to somebody about this, I just don't know what to say, I think a great way to do it is just tell them what the Lord has done for you. Tell them how he's affected your life, because that's, that's real. I remember exactly where I was when I had kind of like this aha moment. I'm sitting in my chair and like I, I knew uh, I was praying and I just knew I was in the presence of the Lord. You just, it, it, you just know it's the only time I've ever been that way. But it, it's, and it's like I heard, quote unquote, his voice. I didn't hear a, a voice like we're talking sure. here. But in, in my mind, it was just my grace is sufficient. Don't, you know, just don't mm -hmm. worry. Don't worry. My grace is sufficient. It's, it's fine. And it was from that point, it was, it's been life changing. If you have a simple story like that, I don't know how this stuff works. I really, I really mm -hmm. don't. If someone said, you know, prove to me that that uh, th this stuff is is real, well, you can't really, you can't really prove it. But I can, I can share with you what it is, and you can investigate it on your own. You know, that's the other nice thing. It's not up to us. It's not up to us to convert anyone. We're just sharing. We're yeah. just sharing, and it's a God thing when it happens. Yeah, we're just sharing the hope that we have with other people, and they, yes. can, they can choose to accept it or not. And that is absolutely infectious. Yeah, yeah, it is, and it's why it's dangerous. It's dangerous to forces against it. Well, well, it is. And you think, you know, go back to what you were saying about how God doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everyone mm -hmm. to come in. He wants everybody to come in. I've told people this. You know, think about this. Adolf Hitler could have been forgiven. Judas could have been forgiven. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's kind of tough to think, hey, you, you really? But if they, if, they, if they repented, yes. Yes. It's a tough thing. It's a tough thing. But they, they could have. I don't know that they yeah. did, but and Also, they could have. God knows what's truly in someone's heart. Right. So they, you can't fake it. You can't go up to God and say, well, you know, I'm sorry about all that stuff I did now. Now give me the good stuff. Right. It, didn't, it isn't going to work like that, I don't perceive. No, I don't think so either. But, you know, Thief on the cross. That's one of my favorite parts of the Bible. Thief on the cross. Here's a guy that was probably a pretty bad guy. And, you know, Lord Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Today you will be with me in paradise. Now that guy did all kinds of bad things. Don't know what, but, mm -hmm. you know, they don't, they don't crucify just your ordinary run-of-the-mill person. So he was not a good guy. And he was, he was forgiven. Now, that being said, I don't think it's a good idea to get that close to death before you accept. <laughs> I, 
I'm just saying it's and it's it, yeah, you know right. in in hearing uh, accounts of pastors it does it does happen, but you know he's knocking on on your door every day. Yeah. Uh, so don't wait till you're that close. Yeah, and also your life changes in a good way. Oh, it does. Your life improves in a good and healthy way. So why wouldn't you want your life to improve in a good and healthy way? Why why would you not want that? It defies uh, uh, logic. You know. Pat and I started this whole project of our podcast three years ago. It seems unbelievable it was that long ago, doesn't it? I know. We started it three years ago with the idea that was brought to us from C.S. Lewis. And a quote he made, Christianity, if false, is of no importance, and if true, is of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. You see, most of us live our lives based on Christianity being something sort of important, sort of moderately important, but it isn't meant to be that. It's meant to be the most important thing in our lives. It's meant to be what it is, infinitely important. I pray that you will find it so, and I pray that you will live your life based on the Lord Jesus Christ, based on the fact that this Christianity is in fact true and therefore is infinitely important. Will you join me in prayer? Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your instruction. We thank you for all that you've done to bring this day to pass, Lord. We thank you for our salvation, Lord. May, may we surprise you with how bold we are in our proclamation. May we spread this good news far and wide as we go in Jesus' holy and mighty, mighty name. Amen. Amen.